Would you turn your Bibles with me? I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 2. That's where I'd like to preach from today. Luke, chapter number 2. And I want to start reading at verse number 41, if I may. Luke, chapter 2, verse number 41, and it reads like this. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, I want you to remember that. How old? 12 years old. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they turned, returned, the child Jesus tarried behind. He stayed behind. Very unusual thing for a child at 12 years old to do. But he stayed behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But when they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and when they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him, and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. What a, what a reading of Scripture. I want to entitle this message today, if you will help me preach, I want to preach this, that not in this house, not in this house, somebody say that with me, not in this house. I grew up with a very strict daddy. My daddy was over six foot tall, wore a 44-inch belt, and didn't take nothing. You never asked my daddy why, if he told you why, it was something, you just didn't ask him why. And you never turned around and looked at him and said, what? You didn't do that. If you said that, I heard them belt loops go. And that belt would come out and I knew I was in trouble. I want to preach a little bit today. If you'll help me preach. You said you're going to. Not in this house. You may be seated. God bless you. This chapter is a very interesting chapter because it tells of the birth of Jesus Christ and, and, and the customary things that they had to go through. It was just about time, according to the word of the Lord, that it was time for the Passover. The Passover was a seven-day event that took place that they were thinking about the time that the death angel passed over Israel when it, when it came time when they were in Egypt. So they were going to the, the Jerusalem to worship the Lord. If you'll read before this, you'll find out when Jesus was born, there was a certain period of times, eight, eight days, I believe it was, where circumcision would take place. And then he was going to be taken and presented to the Lord there at the temple in, the, in Jerusalem. They ran into a man named Simeon, a faithful man of God, who every day he would come to the house of the Lord because he loved the work of God. But he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the Messiah. And he had heard from the Holy Ghost that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. He would not die. He wouldn't fall over dead. He wouldn't put him in a grave until he saw the Messiah. So every day he came, but this day a special urging from the Lord came to him. And he said, I'm going to go to the house of God today because I feel like the Spirit spoke to me. And I believe today I'm going to see the consolation of Israel. When he got there, sure enough, Mary and Joseph walked in with that babe. And I don't know whether the child was still wrapped in swaddling clothes or not. But I know when he was born, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. But they were going to the house of God to dedicate him to the Lord. For every male child was to be dedicated to the Lord. 
And when they got there, Simeon walked in, and he knew just as sure as he saw that mother, and he saw that babe wrapped in those blankets, whatever it might have been, he knew that God, and he walked straight over. I don't read where he asked for permission. I don't read where he went over and said, I have your child. He didn't say anything. He just walked over and picked up that child, realizing that time had come in his life. And when he, when he blessed the child and, and realized that this had come to his past, he was thrilled about that. And so then the Bible said they ran into another lady who was a dedicated woman of God, over 80 years old. Her name was Anna, and she was a prophetess of God. When she saw that child, she thought, my goodness, this is a tremendous time. This was the very first time that Jesus was ever in the temple as a child. You read nothing about him from that time on until he was 12 years old. At 12 years old, his mother and father came back for the Passover. They came back to Jerusalem, and they took him to the house of God. It was a little different now. His mind had developed, and his body had developed. And he was a strapping young lad, but when they took him to the house of God, something got a hold of him. He had never remembered it as a child being there the very first time. But this time, he remembered, and he thought, my goodness, I've never seen a place like this. When he walked into the temple of God, there were probably praises going on. I tried to find out what all happened during this celebration of Passover. I'm sure there was some singing, and I'm sure there was some shouting. I'm sure there were people praising God for what God had done for them. It's kind of like coming to church here. You feel the glory and the presence of God. And in a 12-year-old boy, this had such an effect on him that he thought, man, I don't want to leave this place. I like what I feel around here. I don't know about you, but I like what I feel around here. I feel the presence and the power of the almighty God. This 12-year-old boy was so enamored with what he saw. He thought, my goodness, this is something. I've never saw anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. I've never felt anything like this. The family stayed in Jerusalem until they accomplished what they needed to accomplish. And then they packed up their duds and they headed out of town. But not the 12-year-old boy. The 12-year-old boy said, listen, I like what I feel. I think I'll stay right here. I like David said, I was glad. when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's something about the house of God that will get a hold of your heart. And you're so, brother Dan, this is real. This isn't fake. This isn't something put on. There's something about the glory of God. Once it gets in your soul, it will bless you over and over again. So this 12-year-old boy said, listen, I like it so well. He went in and sat down with the doctors and began to discuss the word of God. His mother and father packed up their duds. They moved out of town. They got one day journey out of town, and somebody said, have you seen Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? He's with Uncle Harry. Maybe he's with Aunt Sue over there. And they began to check around with the people and said, have you seen Jesus? Somebody said, I haven't seen him. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he went. I have no idea. So they turned around and they went back to Jerusalem. They looked for him. If you read it up and add it up, it was five days before they ever found this child. When they found this child, can you imagine losing a boy 12 years old in a city like Jerusalem? Can you imagine that? They were shook up on the inside. But Jesus wasn't shook up. He was moved by the Spirit. He liked what he felt in the house of God. He liked the move of God. Folks, I like it. When these choirs sung yesterday, I've never heard such singing. I've never felt such power. And the glory came down. Why? Because this is the house of the Lord. I like what I feel around here. It's a moving power of the almighty God that touches our heart, our soul, and our mind. And it changes us from head to toe and gives us something to live for. I don't want it to change. I want it to be the same every day.
So there he was, sitting for five days while his parents ran all over the place looking for him. Where's Jesus at? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? I love these kids up here. Where, where, where's Jesus at? I can't find him. Somebody said maybe he's down at the down at the down there at the at the pool hall. Maybe maybe he's out there on the basketball court. Where in the world do you think he is? Finally, they went back to the house of God. When they got back to the house of God, there sat Jesus. Listen, at twelve years old, sitting there talking to all these doctors and blowing their mind with the questions he asked them. Where in the world did he get this? I tell you what, he loved what he felt. He did not want to leave. There are folks that come to church, they can't wait to get out the door. But then there's people like Jesus that said, I like it. Somebody said, well, he's a Messiah. Yeah, but he was just 12 years old. He still had an adolescent mind now. But there was something about the house of God that got a hold of him. I remember when I came to church at 16 years old and I heard the preacher preach. I heard when they talked about going to hell and going to heaven. Hair stood up on the back of my neck. And I want to tell you something. My mom and dad couldn't understand it when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and dad said you're not going to church anymore I said dad you don't understand I stopped my drinking I stopped my smoking I stopped my cussing I stopped doing all that stuff you don't understand what I feel in the house of God you don't understand how it changed my life you don't understand how it moved me you don't understand that I laid down on my bed and began to pray my dad opened the door to that old bedroom and it creaked like an old barn door and dad walked in and said son you can go Brother Snow is the best time of my life. I haven't stopped going since it has been over 50 years ago. I love the Holy Ghost. I love to feel the power of God. I love the anointing of God. There's just something about the house of God. I love what I feel in this place. I don't want it to change. Brother St. Clair, I don't want it to change. I like what I feel. You don't read anything. They picked up Jesus there in Jerusalem and they said, let's go home, son. You've been here now five days. We've looked all over the place for you. Why have you done us like this? How come you treated us like this? And he said, Mom, don't you understand? I've got to be about my father's business. There's just something about this place I love. I like to be in the presence of the Almighty God. When people walk in here, they can be healed. When people walk in here, they can be saved. When people walk in here, they can be delivered. When people walk in here, First Apostolic Church, they can find what they're looking for. You don't have to look any farther. It's right here in the house of God in the house of God what a mighty God we're serving each and every day I praise him that we can trust him and believe him and put our faith and confidence in him would you lift your hands and praise the Lord somebody say hallelujah they took this boy home they took him home and you don't read anything from the time he was 12 years old until he was 30 years old. You don't read nothing about him. What was those 18 years consisted of? What, what did he do during those 18 years? They called him the son of a carpenter. So probably he, he worked with, with Joseph in the carpenter shop and learned the trade. There was probably no doubt that he, just, he didn't stand around like a lot of kids. He didn't have a video game to play. So he was learning some situations and circumstances of life. He did that. He was normal like you and I, but he was God manifest in the flesh. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, the rose of Sharon, the bright and the morning star. He's our everything and our all in all. Then according to the word of God, if you will turn with me to the book of John, and I want to read from the book of John chapter number 2. 
And I'd like to start reading in John chapter number 2 at verse number 12. Now here, 18 years later, Jesus was coming back to Jerusalem. Of course, every year they, they celebrated the feast of the Passover. But this day, Jesus was coming back to that very same temple, no doubt, where he was taught in and was blessed of the Lord. That very same temple where he sat there and talked with the doctors 18 years before that. But time changes a lot of things. Time changes circumstances and situations, but it doesn't change the Word of God. The Word of God is yea and amen. I'm telling you what right now, it's the same every day. It doesn't change. But now Jesus was coming back to Jerusalem. He might have been occupied several years before that. I do not know. But now he was coming back to that place he felt when he was 12 years old. He remembered the worship, and he remembered the praise, and he remembered the men of God sitting around reading the Word. But time, my friend, had taken its toll on the house of God. Time had taken its toll, and modernism had taken its toll on the house of God. If we ever lose that power, ever lose that glory, we might as well shut our doors and walk out of here because it's not supposed to be nothing but a place of praise and worship. When he walked back into the house of God 18 years later, and let me preach a little bit here, they came back 18 years later, things was different. Right before he came back, he performed his first miracle at the wedding of Cain of Galilee. He turned the water into wine, and they were amazed. And somebody said, listen, how did he do that? Because he was God. A God can turn water into wine. They can take dust and make a man. I don't know why in the world he couldn't do that. Because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Savior and the creator of time. The Bible said, the Bible said in verse number 12 of this chapter, and after he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. When he got to Jerusalem and he walked in, he didn't find people praising and glorifying God. That's the problem in our day and time. We have turned our churches into show places. We've turned our churches into entertainment places. That's not what it's for. This is, my friend, a house of God. This is where the glory of God ought to come down. So when Jesus walked in there and he looked around, things weren't like they used to be. Instead of the doctors sitting there reading the word, they had money changers set up all around. It would be concerned about the dollar. Listen, this is not about the dollar. This is about the salvation of your soul. This is not, my friend, about how much you can be entertained, but this is about how you're getting yourself ready to go to heaven. When he walked in there and he looked around, he said, this ain't the same place I remember when I was 12 years old. This is not the same place I remember when I walked in here as a young child because I felt the glory of God. But now commerce is absolutely everywhere. There are people here making money. This is not a bingo house, folks. It's never intended to be. This is not a game room. This is a place to get your heart right with God. This is a room of preparation. This is a room of revival. This is a room of the glory of God. This is where folks get set free. This is where devils run from. They don't like what's going on in the church. I'm telling you, Jesus walked in there and he said, I want to tell you something. You might accept it in your house, but I'm not going to accept it in my house. I'm not going to have this go on. I'm not going to have this modernism take over. We're going to stand for righteousness and godliness and holiness. We're going to preach right, live right, talk right, walk right. Every day we're going to serve God. Not in my house. It's not going to happen like that. I want to praise and glorify God. Jesus said we got to get this mess out of here and bring the glory of God back in here like it's supposed to be. Not in my house. No, sir. So when he looked around and he saw what was going on, it infuriated him. It infuriated him. 
Bible said, and he found in the temples those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And we had made a scourge. I'm telling you what. He sat down and grabbed him some leather from somewhere. And he made him a scourge. I wish I had a, a whip today. Because we need to understand this is serious business around here. Brother Gil, I like what you taught this morning. That's some good teaching. I'm telling you that. But we're living in a day and time we need to get out of the play business and get down to business and serve God. People think they can sin and live for God. You can't do that. The Bible said, come out from amongst them and be a separate people, saith the Lord. There's a difference between the holy and profane. When Jesus walked in there, he said, this is not what I expected. I expected a move of God. I expected the Holy Ghost to be running through this place. I expected folks to be praising God. I like it when the choir sang and the young people was praising God. Mom and dad were praising God. The saints were praising God. That's what he wants in this place. He wants a move of the Holy Ghost. Come on down, Lord. We sing it, send it on down, Lord. That's what we need to do. Somebody said, I want to get me a bargain when I go to the house of God. This is not a bargain counter place. This is a salvation place. This is where the glory of God is. This is where people worship and praise God and glorify God and magnify God. Jesus said you can have all that mess in your house if you want to but in my house, my house is a house of prayer. My place is where we're going to worship God. My house is where folks are going to be healed. My house is where folks are going to be delivered. My house is where folks are going to be saved. This is where young people's lives are going to be changed. Drug habits are going to be broken. Right here in the house of God, this is where it's going to take place. Oh God. We can put our smoke machines in and put our colored lights in, our strobes. But this is not a stage of entertainment. Never was intended to be and never will be. Jesus said, I don't like what I see around here. I don't like what's going on around here. I thank God at First Pentecostal Church, there's no stage lights flashing. Thank God there's no smoke machines rolling. But praise is lifting up from the choir. The preacher preaches the word of God. He still preaches holiness. He still preaches godliness. He still preaches separation. He still preaches living for God. He still preaches get saved and get right. He's still preaching the word of God. This is a place, my friend, where the glory of God is felt. When Jesus made that scourge and began to drive out the money changers, he tipped over their tables, threw all that filthy luger on the floor. Then the Bible said, things begin to happen. Sick folk begin to be healed. Lame folk begin, oh my God, lame folk begin to walk. Something begin to transpire. We get back to like it's supposed to be. Get back to like God intended it for it to be. Get back to what Jesus remembered when he was 12 years old. Somebody said, but he knows everything. That's true. But my friend, it made such an impression on that child's mind that he said, I can't wait to get back to the house of God. And once I get there, I'm going to expect to see what I saw in the very beginning. Thank God. I remember in revivals when I was a child when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I think there were 14 baptized in the revival. I got the Holy Ghost in. And I forget how many received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I know one thing, friend, the Holy Ghost was moving. There was a lady come in one night and she had cancer. They prayed for her and the cancer fell right off in the floor. You say, oh, preacher, that doesn't happen anymore. Don't tell me it don't happen. Don't tell me it's not supposed to happen. Don't tell me that don't transpire. I had tuberculosis at 19 years old and was dying. 
And I want to preach a little bit today. And I had tuberculosis and I was dying. Everybody said, John, you're dying. You could not stand to be in a room with me. My lungs were so rotten you could not stand to ride in a car with me. Sister Willis and her mother put me in their brand new Cadillac and drove me a hundred and some mile to a fellowship meeting. My boss said, don't ever come back to work. You're going to infect the whole shop. Tuberculosis is eating you up, son. You're going to die. My mama said, you're going to die. My daddy said, you're going to die. But I said, I'm going to trust in God because I read in this book what happened in the New Testament church. And I said, I believe God can heal me. I walked into church that night holding on to the back of the pew. My body was yellow. I stunk so bad you couldn't stand to be close to me. Friend, when I walked up there and I saw these preachers standing, I said, would you pray for me? They took the oil and they anointed me and prayed for me. And God healed that tuberculosis right then. I walked back into the shop on a Monday morning. My boss said, what happened to you? I said, Jesus happened to me. I told you he'd heal 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 me. Oh, thank God. That's the way it was. And that's the way it needs to be. We need to continue on in salvation and praising God. Oh, it doesn't happen like that anymore. No, it doesn't in these modern churches. Jesus said, not in my house. Not in this house. This is a different place. This is a different place. When the man of God built the altar, he tore down the altar of Baal. Tore down the altar of Baal. Baal were filthy people, worshipers. They were. They'd even kill their own children and put them, in the, put them in the foundations of their buildings. They said, we don't want that kind of mess. And when they offered their sacrifice, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Grove, and they couldn't get any answer. They prayed night and day and couldn't get together. The, the man of God said, listen, let me tear down that mess. We're going to get rid of this. We're going to get back like it used to be. I'm going to build an altar like the old Abraham built. I'm going to build one. Go back to the old move of God. And the Bible said, friend, when they built that altar of 12 stones representing Israel, and they began to pray. They put on the fire. They, I mean, they put on the, the coal. They put on the wood. They put the water over it. And the man of God began to call. He said, this is the way it's supposed to be. Let me show you how God operates. Let me show you what God can do. Let me show you what the power of God can do. And friend, when he began to pray, the fire come down. Licked up the sacrifice. Licked up the altar. Licked up the water. My friend, I'm telling you, the glory of God came down. Why? Because God is God. And God never changes. Jesus said, this is the way I want it to be. The Bible tells me he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's same forever. The same God that healed me when I was 19 years old is the same God that can touch you. The same God that can deliver you. The same God that can set you free. The same God can bring you hope. The same God can give you strength. The same God that can mend your marriage. The same God that can save your children. The same God that can set you free. That's the God I'm talking about. Jesus said that's what happens in my house. In my house. In my house. I'm not going to let the world come in. I've got a church not too far from me. Oh, they run a good crowd. The preacher even cusses in the pulpit. You play an instrument, don't care what you wear, you can get up there and sing praises to the Lord. But Jesus said, not in my house. Mm-mm, I ain't going to have this mess. I'm going to have it. If you want to settle for a second grade like that, you can, folks. But this is the best of the best. What I've experienced around here, Brother Dan, money's in the best of the blessed. I have felt the glory and the power of God because people are living right, walking right, talking right, and doing right. 
And when he made the scourge of small cords, he drove all them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the money changers and overthrew their tables and said unto them that sold doves, take those things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. You see, we made it so convenient now. You don't have to sacrifice anything. There were those in that day who would come and they'd sell oxen and sheep. Folks didn't have to invest nothing in their life. They would just walk to church, buy them a McDonald's sacrifice, fast food, give it to the Lord and walk out of there and they thought they'd done their duty. Friend, don't buy it. Bring it. Can I say that? Don't buy it. Bring it. Bring it to God's house. Bring it right here. Tell God, God, I want it like it used to be. I want the glory of God to come down. We used to go home for revival service at 5 o'clock in the morning. 5 o'clock in the morning. I'd go home from church, put on my work clothes and go to work and work all day and be back again for revival the next night. Praying folks through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, but if we're not out by 9.30 now, we get clock-eyed. We say, oh, I can't, I can't stay no longer than that. My favorite spiritual program's coming on. Oh, that's garbage. Take me back. Not in my house, Jesus said. Not in my house. We need to stop being clock-eyed and be heavenly-minded and say, God, give us an old-fashioned move of the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost fill this place. Let the glory of God fill this place. Let me feel what Jesus felt when he walked into the temple in the olden times and the power of God began to fall. Let me go back to that very day. He drove them out. When he did, the Bible said the disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house. It's done et me up. It et me up. Has eaten me up. Don't you love it when you come to the house of God? Mm -hmm. Sister Willis said yesterday, she said, I was in the evangelist quarters. And thank God for beautiful evangelist quarters. And she said, at 1.30, I heard the drums. Jason Pratt. I heard the drums. And did not cease. They did not cease. She said, from 1.30 on, I heard drums. I heard music. That's the way it should be. That everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Go back to Psalms and read what you're going to praise him. You're going to praise him on the high sounding sounds. You're going to give him praise. You're going to give him glory. Oh, but preacher, when we come to church, we need to just be so quiet and so calm. Sister Willis and I were invited to preach at a Mennonite church just a few weeks ago. Can you imagine that? And, I, and so we went and we, 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 were, we were apostolic. And they came to me and said, man, man, that's the best message we've had around here since this church was built. That's what they told me. I said, well, we're just what we are. I said, would you come back and preach us a revival? I said, would I come back and preach a revival? You know I would. But I said, I want you to know I'm apostolic from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. And I want to preach one God. I want to preach baptism in Jesus' name. I want to preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because that's what God wants in his house. He don't want this other mess. He wants the glory of God to come down and touch every heart, soul, and every mind. 
Oh, hallelujah. Not my house. I don't want it. Not going to have it. Not going to put up with it. I'm not going to stand there and listen to you live like the devil and then turn around and praise God. I'm not going to listen to that. Jesus said, just get out of here. Let's, let's, let's get this thing back like it's supposed to be. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He had a Holy Ghost house cleaning before the Holy Ghost ever fell. He cleaned it all out. If you read in one of the writers, I believe it's Matthew, it talks about how the miracles begin to happen. You get all of this mess out of here, folks, and let the world go away, and you begin to see God heal the sick and raise the dead and unstop the deaf ears. I can't tell you the miracles we've seen in our life that God has blessed us with because we believe we came out of a church that believed God could do anything. God could do anything. John David, my oldest boy, is sitting right there. Got a disease in one of his eyes. We don't know what it was. We have no idea. His eyes swelled out and protruded beyond his forehead. Now, you, you think about this. Blood ran down of his eye constantly. And I told my wife, I said, we've got to believe God that God will heal that boy. We prayed for him. We, we went to the store one day, and a lady stopped us, and she was gasping. She said, my God, what's the matter with your boy? I said, ma'am, we don't know, but we, we just believe the Lord's going to touch him. She said, oh, my granddaughter had the same thing. He said, if we didn't get her to a doctor in 30 minutes, she would have lost her eye. We went home that night. We had prayer. And the next morning, John David come walking out of that room. And he said, Daddy, an angel touched me. There was no blood, no swelling. His eye was crystal clear. Oh, I'm telling you, let's get back to the house. Let's get back. It's not going to happen in this house. Somebody said, what do you mean? Sin's not going to prevail here, but holiness is going to prevail here. Godliness is going to prevail here. Righteousness is going to prevail here. God's people are going to worship here. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to be set free. Somebody's going to feel the power of God because that's what God wants to go in this house. That's what he wants. I wish I could preach longer today, but... But I just feel like it's time for me to settle down. But I don't feel like settling down in the spirit. Because there's such a move of the Holy Ghost in here. Friend, if you're going to a dead, dry, boring church, get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of there. If you're going somewhere where they don't believe in the miracle power of God, get out of there. Get out of there. If you're going somewhere where they don't believe in the separation between the world and the church, get out of there. Because what's going on in this house is what God wants happen. What's going on around here is what God wants happen. Hey Amen. This is a place where the Lord is well. He wants you to worship Him. He wants you to praise Him. He wants you to glorify Him. He wants you to magnify Him. This is God's house. It's not my house. It's not the St. Clair's house. It's God's house. And God in this place wants miracles and wonders and signs to work. And he wants to do it for you. He wants to set you free. I declare unto you today that the men that run this church and pastor this church have one goal in mind. And that's not to line their pockets but it's to see your soul filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. To see you set free by the power and the promise of God. That's why God is moving in this place.
While churches are drying up, we were driving down the street yesterday, I believe it was, or the day before. The St. Clair said, this, sir, said this, this church here is getting ready to close their doors. And this building down here, they're getting ready to shut it down. They're not going to have church there no more. You know why? Because it's not that the church has gotten to the world. It's the world's gotten to the church. Jesus said, hey, not around here. Not in this house. First Pentecostal Church is a Bible-believing apostolic church. And we're going to hold on to the promise of God. Would you stand with me, please? Amen. You'll never go wrong believing the truth. You'll never go wrong holding on to the promise of God. You'll never go wrong if you'll do it like Jesus said. He cleaned it up. He said it going in the right direction. And isn't it amazing that when he poured out the Holy Ghost, where did he pour it out at? Poured it out in Jerusalem. That very place where he cleaned the temple. The very place where he purged it of all the ungodliness. That's where he poured out his spirit. Would you lift your hands right now and you say, God, not in this house. We're going to stand on the promise of God. In Jesus' mighty name.